welcome to another episode of the Trinity United Church Legon Podcast. And now for today's teaching. Oh, another time together, want to give thanks to God for the opportunity given to me to share God's word with you. want to thank God for Reverend Doctor with you. I pray that the Lord himself will speak to us. Amen. The theme given to us to reflect on this morning is and fellowship. Now I want to read a text from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 14. That is the last verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I know we know this text. Can we go together? Second Corinthians 30. Be with us. So it is a prayer we have always been offering to the Lord. And this is where we can find it in the word of scripture. Please let us pray. Ube to me as so amawana sukomze Sabura, to me I think we can sing together. It's a simple song. Father, we pray for your cleansing blood, O Lord. Speak to us in power, Lord. May we become channels of blessings to your children. And may your word come with power and authority from you yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Today is Trinity Sunday. And Trinity Sunday or Trinity is the only doctrine that the church calendar allows us to celebrate. If you take all the doctrines of the Christian church, 
be the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It is only the doctrine of Trinity that the Christian calendar allows us to celebrate it. And today is Trinity Sunday. Hallelujah. And we are a church that carried that unique name, Trinity. Now, this doctrine is what makes us distinct from all the other major religions. If you take Islam, you take Judaism, they all worship one God, what we call monotheistic doctrine. They all serve a God who is one. In fact, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, you understand that in the Jewish Shema, they say, oh, here, oh, Israel, your God is one. So that is the belief. All the major religions believe in one God, whether it is Yahweh, whether it is Allah, or God. What makes the Christian God different from all just one, but he is one God in three persons. So all the religions have is one in three persons. One God in three essence or in three natures to us. And this is what we affirm in the Nicene Creed, like on it. The creed is well written with words thought through to give us a certain perception of God who is not just one, but one God in three tests. I believe in one God. Then it begins to explain uh -huh, heaven and earth. Now if you go on and on, you understand that this creed introduces to us one, the Godhead who is a, a father. If you look at what the creed assigns to this Godhead, the creed says, is almighty made all things visible and invisible. In other words, the creed is telling you and I that we can relate to this God who is father as a curator. So in our minds, the God who is father, the fatherhood of God, is seen in the fact that he created all things. And that is the truth. God created you and I, and all the things we see, both the visible and the... Number two, in the creed we also see, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, can we go on? The only begotten son of God. Uh-huh. Begotten of his father before all wells. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. It gives us an impression that apart from the father who is there, there is also another who relates with us. And that one is the son. And the creed tells us that this son is not a son imposed on us. Or he has not come to tell us, I am the son of God when he is not. In fact, before Jesus came, 
the sonhood of God had been proclaimed already in Psalm 2 verse 7. It is said there that I am your father. I declare you my son. I have begotten you. So it's a declaration that was made even before Jesus came. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your, your father. Later you see Paul use the same test in Hebrews 1 verse 5. And he says, none of the angels did God say, you are my son. God did not refer to any of the angels as the son. But then God declared one as the son. And that one is Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. So the sonship of Jesus was given to him even before he came to live among us. If we look at the words of the angel in Luke chapter 1 verse 35. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. So a proclamation by the angels, God himself giving it in the Psalms, and then Jesus comes as the Son of God, the only begotten of God. The only begotten of him, the only legitimate child of God. One who can proclaim that God is my father. In fact, the same begotten is used, is only used twice in the Bible. Used for Jesus and also used for Isaac in Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19. When the writer was proclaiming about the halls of faith, and the writer says, for Ishmael is there. But there is one with the covenant, one who carries the covenant, acknowledged by God as the chosen one. And that one is the only begotten of Abraham. And he gives it to Isaac. So it's a matter of chosenness. It's a matter of decree. God declared that this is the son of God. This gives us assurance Later on, when we think through the test, so that we don't come to proclaim that God made him. No. The creed says, no. He was begotten, not made. So you can't say that Jesus is one of the creatures of God. As some of our friends will want us to believe. That we should use small j for Jesus or for the word in John 1.1. 1, 1. That will be misplaced. Because he is not made, he is not part of the things that God created. He is begotten, not, not made. Some also dwell on Colossians 1 verse 15. And say that when Paul said, he is the firstborn of all creation, it meant that comes before all things comes. So if you want to put all things together, in placement before things. He has preeminence over all creation. And he comes before all things come. Now this say from the father, or you can't separate the father from him. The two of them are, they are one. In John 14, 8 to 9, Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. The two are one in essence. 
close are their connections that Jesus says whatever a man does to him he does to his father Jesus says to know him meet in God and to receive him means you have received God there were times that Jesus could chastise the Jews and say you hate you hate me because you are not my father's children and you are not from Abraham as you claim to be. If you are from Abraham, you will love me. It manifests to us. And I'm declaring to you that he did not take the title of a son upon himself. It was given to him if that he is the only begotten son of God. In fact, it is Jesus who answers what the hymn says in MHB 34. When the hymn says, immortal, invisible... God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of this, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. So the hymn says, God is hidden from us. He's immortal, we can't see him. In Jesus, the invisible God becomes visible to us. And we get to know this God. And he lives among us. And we see his glory. How does the son relate to us? He relates to us as our Lord and our Savior. I've told you how the father relates to us. He relates to us as our creator God. He is our creator. And then the son relates to us as our Lord and our Savior. The one who came in flesh to save you and us. Then the third part of the creed says, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, this concept of the Holy Spirit is also the third person. And this third person relates to us as the giver of life. And it's explained in the creed. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life. In fact, he comes to make life of essence to us. We saw him in the Genesis account in Genesis chapter 1. When the earth was without form, void and empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep, scripture says he was hovering over the waters, giving life to such a condition. And through his power and his mind, when declaration was made that let there be light, light came. The one who gives life. He gives life to God's church. In Acts chapter 2, we see his work. That when the disciples, as timid and weak as they were, when he came upon them, the Bible says he gave them utterance and they started speaking with power. A timid one like Peter who speak with power. Because life has entered them. I pray for you this morning. That may the life of the Holy Spirit enter you in Jesus' name. May it quicken you and give you life again. So he comes as the life of God, the giver of life. And he enters every situation to enlighten it. And to give it another chance. So all these three. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three Persons. Can you tell a friend or a brother one God in three persons? And tell the one behind you one God in three persons. 
Is it not surprising? That the Father is God. The Son is God. And I've just explained to you that one is not bigger than the other. It's a matter of roles and assignments. And the Holy Spirit is also God. Then also you should be saying we have three goals. In fact, I'm not here to do that mathematics. <laughs> it's a complex thing to understand. And so I understand the, the reading of the first scripture. Who can cancel God? Who can give God the measurement of the earth? And we should not pretend that we understand everything about God. In fact, it is a mystery. It is a mystery that one plus one plus one becomes one. I have been doing mathematics for years. They become a big one. A one that stays authoritatively with us. The Godhead is a mystery that when John Wesley was asked to explain it, he says, bring me a worm that can understand a man. Then I will show you a man who can understand God. The finite mind cannot understand the infinite God. And he says to us that that is it. When you read the scripture, but it is implied as you read the scripture, you will see Jesus affirming the things. Anytime we have taken the Trinity out of the scripture, the Bible loses its essence. And the Bible loses its essence when you take the Trinity away. Now, each of these three Godhead, each of them had a role to play. The Father's role was to love us. And we see that role in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. He says, for while we were still with a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God, an amazing love, a love we cannot describe. Not that we had changed, we were still in our sin. And them to us. This is an amazing love, a love that is proclaiming MHB 38. He says that love is profound, that love is a pardoning love. In Bali, in MHB 323, Charles Wesley says, it's a love that must compel us to also come to God. It's a conquering love and a resistless love. That is the love of the Father. Number two, in the redemption also, or in the salvation act, we see the Son also coming to us in grace. So the love is for the Father, the grace is for the, the Son. And that grace is seen in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Ephesians 2, 1 to 5, it says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins, in which you once lived following the cause of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of our flesh, and senses, and were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great grace, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Hallelujah. So the grace of Christ is that which saves us. We do not merit the salvation that comes to us. 
In fact, we could have been like anyone in the world, wallowing in sin. But the Father showed love to us. And out of love, grace was extended to you and I. And by the grace of God, Jesus came and redeemed you and I. It is a special grace. And we do not deserve it. This grace does not only save us and leave us alone. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 12, he continues to teach us. Scripture says, the grace of God has appeared to all men and teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. So it's not a grace that saves us and leaves us, but a grace that continues to teach us. So we begin to say no to all ungodliness. And I pray for you that may you listen to this grace in Jesus' name. May you hear his voice. He continues to teach you so you walk in holiness all the days of your life. So the love comes from the Father, the grace from our Lord Jesus the Christ. Then we have the last one. The fellowship also comes from the Holy Spirit. This fellowship is what is described in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. When the writer says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the Father showed us love and then through the grace of God the Son, we are saved and the Holy Spirit makes us into his temple so that God the Father, God the Son can live in us. We can have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit who prepares you and I into the nature of God. Now body becomes the, the temple so he can live in us. Tell someone close by, make yourself available so you become God's temple. So God does not just save us and leave us in a vacuum. He works on us and beautifies us. And we become his temple where he can live in us and have fellowship with us. This fellowship is from the Greek word koinonia. Now, I know those who follow Apostle Sermon, Joshua Sermon might have heard koinonia over the airwaves. This koinonia is beyond fellowship. It also deals with, with time you begin to look like God. In fact, with time they will call you Papa Christo and become like him. You become like him. And that is where when you get to, people can say what his nature is imprint in you. And you become a partaker of his divine nature. The intimacy that God has with the three persons, that intimacy is also seen in us. The Father who shows us love, the grace of Jesus that comes to save us, and the Holy Spirit that comes to help us have intimacy with this God. And I pray for you that with this God. He wants to live in you. He, don't want to, he doesn't want to live in a, a temple made with human hands. No. He wants to live in your temple. It's the Holy Spirit who makes that possible. As even God himself relates within himself. Let me repeat that again. The truth, he is not a God who lives in an individualistic way. 
there is a certain relationship within the God and of the Son. And a union with the Holy Spirit. A union that when you divide it, it is not possible. All I'm saying is that this God is relational. Unlike what modern society will teach us. That be isolated from all. God, the God most high, relates with others. And I'm saying what the Trinity teaches you and I is that God is relational and he relates within himself. Today, this communal God is the one who has been given to us. And God expects you and I to also relate with others. And I like where Paul said it. Paul said this apostolic benediction to the Corinthian church because it is a church that is noted for divisions. They were divided from the head of the church to the lower ones there. Divided at the communion table. Divided in who worships over them and divided in all angles. In fact, they were divided to the extent that in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-three, Paul says that when they met to eat the Lord's Supper, they ate it without waiting for their brothers. Why would they not wait for their brothers? Because the masters of the house don't want to eat with the slaves. And they feel that that is not acceptable. Even though we have come to know Christ, we can't be eating with our slaves in the house. And Paul says, that is not Christian. When you meet and you are eating the Lord's Supper, wait for your brothers to come. Because at the height of the communion is not the body we share. At the height of the communion is not the drink we drink. At the height of the communion is the unity with which we come. The liturgy says, though we are many, we are one body. Because we share the one loaf and partake of the same drink. This is the truth of the Trinity. That it is one God in three persons. A communal unity. A relation God. May the Lord help us as we reflect on the Trinity this Sunday. And may he heal the wounds among us. So that all of us will be united. United in one. Hallelujah. Where we will not see denominations. And Trinity, we are diverse in a unique way. Where we will not see masters and slaves. Where we will not see educated and uneducated. Because all are one. And may Charles Wesley's hymn in 720 come to pass. Love like death had rendered all distinctions void. Names and sects doesn't matter again. In Christ, we are all in one. May the Lord bless his word and may the Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. We are glad you joined us for today's episode. To engage with us some more, kindly search for Trinity United Church Legon, on YouTube and Facebook and give us a follow. You can also join us every Sunday on the premises of Trinity Theological Seminary Legon. Thank you.